idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Dan Shukas. Dan is a writer, musician, visual artist, and podcaster currently based in Summit County, Colorado. After being interested in paranormal and spiritual subjects since early childhood, Dan's journey into the esoteric was jump-started by a snowboarding accident in 2008, which led to his lifelong pursuit of seeking esoteric truths and attempting to live his true will. In December 2018, Dan started the Cosmic Keys podcast with his co-host Scarlett Ravenswood, where they have been giving weekly tarot and astrology forecasts <clears throat> excuse me, for the week ahead and interviewing guests in the subjects of spirituality, the paranormal, and the occult. Dan, welcome to the show. Wait, 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 wait. I, I even looked at this before. <laughs> it's annoying. Why isn't... What the hell is going on? No, it's not funny. It's not funny. No, it, I, th I think it's something that I changed. Say we're having some difficulties. There we go. I got it. Oh, you got it? Yeah, that's just so weird. Anyway, I'm sorry. Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy days. It's that Mercury Gatorade, isn't it? Yeah, we already got a thumbs down. How awesome. Oh, great. Well, if if you have, we have four thumbs up and one thumbs down. That's five <laughs> points. Doesn't matter if it's up or down for YouTube. <laughs> We've had it's Mercury retrograde. Dan's an astrologer, and um, I we've had he's one of my favorite people, and I love his astrology. I love their podcast, Cosmic Keys. Definitely check it out. That is good stuff. Um, and I just but, want to say that every thumbs down is bad karma. Yeah, so. If you don't like it, move on. Yeah. Move on, motherfucker. It didn't I even start. Didn't our, even from start. Our... We already got his thumbs down. Fuck. I know. No, it's a hater. And I think it's a hater of mine. It's got to yeah. be. Okay. Haters going to hate. Haters oh, gonna yeah. Hate. Of course. All right. It, I'm going to show you. Haters, what, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> This is a little unorthodox, but it's all right. We're going with it. I just want to, um, I want to say, yes. So this was all, Dan was in this classic, like Mercury, Neptunian weirdness going on. So yeah, this week, um, <laughs> this the Neptune is taking over. We're in a waning moon in eclipse season. The eclipse we're moving towards is really gnarly on the summer solstice and this week neptune is squaring the sun and conjuncting mars so i've already had a few drinks a few smokes so 
It's it's been that one of those weeks. I'm right behind you, dude. Right behind. Isn't there a funky eclipse on the winter solstice too? No, it's the alignment, right? The, yeah, the, yeah, the winter solstice 2020 <laughs> yeah. is literally the new age. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it makes sense that we're going through all this bullshit. This is craziness. a gnarly month, period, because we've got that. I mean, what is it? We have Jupiter and Pluto and Sag happening like on the 30th. Of course, I'm thinking from the Vedic side. Uh, right, Mars, yeah. Mars and Pisces on the 18th, which is going to be hell, till the till August something, which is going to be like hell time. <clears throat> I have several dates on my calendar to look out for. Yeah, that's um, the whole rest of the year is going to be pretty rough because Mars, Mar well from the Western zodiac, Mars enters Aries at the end of this month. And yes. it doesn't leave until 2021 because Mars <laughs> goes through the whole sign of Aries, squares Pluto and Saturn and Jupiter, <laughs> then stops at the very end of Aries and reverses backwards, squares them again, stops and moves forward, squares them again. So this is rough know. stuff. And yeah. Didn't Venus just switch to what at morning star, right? From evening star? Yep, exactly. The That was last week um so the yeah. venus kazemi happened so venus like reversed and now the sun is ahead of or no mm -hmm. venus is ahead of the sun so she she pops up above the horizon before the sun rises but before if like this past winter she was an evening star so like every every evening you would see this bright venus and so now now you have to do it in the morning which ain't gonna work for me so but it's very symbolic and and people think the year is rough right now it's just deepening and astrologically speaking speaking and of course you know those of us with in tune with our our abilities can also just see it and i think looking at it logically without any of this you can see just how things are just escalating anyway yeah i i think i underestimated the eclipses that we're in because oh. last last oh. friday was the uh, <laughs> uh sagittarius eclipse and that yes. was pretty weak but like in my personal life it's like all the eclipse things times 10 and now that we're in this like portal and so it's the eclipses are kind of like the shadow lands you know because i mean they block the light of the sun they block the light of the moon that's not a good omen and I'm I'm totally have been guilty of doing this in my younger years, but doing like rituals and stuff or doing manifestations under eclipses is like not a good idea. And I've kind of been burned by that. And now every time there is an eclipse, there's just this like chaotic background buzz. And I, I mean, I really noticed it last week and then this week mm has -hmm. been a total shit show. So <laughs> I know it's I, I, well, I didn't think it was going to hit this soon. And I mean, just look at the news too. I mean, yeah, it, it's like, I mean, kick us when we're down, like the entire globe went through this effed up programming trauma yep. thing. And now when everybody's like, wait, these numbers didn't add up. Wait, masks don't do anything. Wait, why six feet? And then, then it's like, 
it's literally like Dr. Evil, like initiate the race war. <laughs> I know. It and totally it's, I, I mean, it's, it's genius because it's really working and it's not making me optimistic, but it's well played. It's, it's like evil genius stuff. Yeah. So I, I kind of am like, damn, like, even if you were writing a movie, a script right now, like to come up with these strategies is pretty insane. But I mean, all the symbology is there. There have been Eight, several four, six, movies there. that outline this scenario. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of seeding. You know, this is what I find when we're in extreme times like this and uh, and we're looking, we're talking astrology and astrological signatures with celestial bodies. This is when I can look at it and say, okay, this stuff has grit. This is actually, if you look at the astrology of, of this time and building up to this time, it's all right there. I mean, I don't know how people can debunk that it's all right there because the circumstances are so extreme in in normal mundane times like yeah 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 whatever but when people are saying astrologers are saying you know fasten your seatbelt this is going to be off the chain and what do we have we have that and so it behooves people to just kind of keep an open mind and and maybe now tilt an ear towards this uh, celestial clockwork that is moving around this construct. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy because I moved this year, and Nish, you were actually quite encouraging when we were chatting. Yes, you're like get out of the city. <laughs> get there out are crazy, of Chicago. <laughs> crazy synchronicities with you. So I'll just put that on the record. But yeah, where in Chicago well, where do you I live? I well, I at the time I was living in Evanston. I grew up in the um, southwest suburbs, mm -hmm. and then from like I guess twenty where southwest where uh, Western Springs. Okay, yeah, Jerry's I went to from Lyons. there. I'm from yeah, Jerry. Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, Beverly Hills. Okay, nice. Yeah, my mom's my mom was from um, Blue Island, but her okay. mother was from Beverly. So sweet. I knew and some people. My, my did you know from sorry the area where I grew up? Did you know the anyone named Bennett in Evanston? I was kind of, <laughs> I was like up in an art studio coach house, kind of like there for a year. I okay. didn't really Never get mind. to know too many people. You were in your bubble. I yeah, got, I, I got I, friends there. Yeah, I don't. I really like Evanston, um, especially. I had a really great space up there, and it it's it's a world away from the city. There's like the lake, there's trees, there's good architecture. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. not it's gorgeous up there. Yeah. <laughs> the people, eh, <laughs> the, a little snooty, a, yeah. little, a little snooty and um, it's, it's a mini Skokie. <laughs> well, it's kind it's like a, it's very elitist. It's like a whole foods town. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a Jewish community. Well, it's kind of, it's actually, um, there's it's pretty diverse in it but it's pretty segregated too which is right. like a very odd thing because um but a lot of the residents are very like social justice -y, but their town is really <laughs> conservative literally segregated <laughs> it's we see a you lot will of have that, that. Yeah. so let's get on the nox minte uh so welcome aboard so glad we finally got you here uh 
And let's just go ahead and start in this dream journey with you, Dan. Tell us about the world you grew up in, the things that stick out from when you were at your youngest phase. And you know the you know the role here, like the pop culture stuff, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, so I uh, the town I originally grew up in was Burridge, Illinois, and the area where I grew up in. When I look back at it, it was like subdivisions that were built kind of in the '80s, you know, um, and it was a pretty affluent area of. Chicago land, but it was kind of like a new suburb, um, very sheltered. And it's interesting knowing that you guys are into the woo to the paranormal and stuff. It wasn't too far away from like a really significant, like haunted landmark in Chicago, which the average person that's from that town is does not immediately think about that. But I'm a weirdo, so I'm always thinking about that kind of stuff. So what what landmark which what what is it? Have you ever heard of the Grimes sisters? Yeah. I grew up like right next to that spot. Okay. okay. <laughs> so you know like I said it was like a subdivision and then there was kind of a perimeter with a lot of woods and nature and when you, when you were super little I mean it seemed very vast but as an adult you're like wow that's like three blocks of trees but whatever. That's how you're kind of Sorry, I'm sorry. Keep interrupting you. Go ahead. Yeah, like like when I was a really little kid, though, you know, and you were kind of a free-range kid in the early 90s, um, that area was, like, accessible from our part of town, and there was this thing called the Green Cabin. And basically, you know, this is, like, post-satanic panic. So when I was really, really little, my parents were like, don't go back there. There's Satanists that sacrifice animals and you know so there was that like holy crap that's really scary but i want to go you know and um it, it that area it was basically the story of the grimes sisters it was like a 1950s murder mystery thing and these two sisters went out to a movie and they went missing and it was like a big media thing you know kind of like one of the early ones and then about a month after they disappear, they found their naked bodies like thrown in the ditch right near this area where I grew up. And then there was like a house nearby that people abandoned. And so there's like this land that had this kind of like cursed paranormal thing with like teenagers that would be doing sort of rites of passages back there. And when I was really little, I was super intrigued by stuff like that. And um, as far as like pop culture and stuff too, you know, when I was really little, that early 90s, like grunge thing, I have memories of that. I have memories of like grunge babysitters wearing their flannel and like little glimpses of MTV, which was like really colorful and like stimulating and stuff. But there was also kind of a lot of like, we've talked about this on our podcast, but people my age, like 90s kids, had a lot of like spooky, paranormal, like TV shows and media and stuff like that. So I was really, I was obsessed with like that, the show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and Goosebumps, like there was a lot of 
literature where it's like if you're the t- if you're the type of kid that wants to like sit and try to read a book and try to like understand a story that's not just a tv show there was like a lot of options and they were all sort of spooky like goosebumps kind of like taught me how to read you know at that early age and um people would it was there was this other 90s kid things like gotta catch them like catch them all collect them all like beanie babies pogs and like some of that was books so people would be like i need every goosebumps book and I just loved the like the spookiness, the spooky pop culture stuff from my childhood brings back like really fond memories, you know. So as an adult, you know, I'm still that that's kind of a way that I connect with my inner child is like making this paranormal occult spiritual stuff like a big part of my life. So and I will say like to bring in the astrology people that are born that people that were born between 84 and 95 that's the pluto and scorpio generation so it's kind of fitting that these like dark spooky things are just like so ingrained in all of us and today like that's kind of how these these occult or spiritual things are really kind of popular with people in their 20s and 30s right now so so yeah yeah, the the millennials, which is what you are, have a real, uh, I appreciate this, a real love for all that dark, good gooeyness uh, that is out there that your generation, I love that. And you're so lucky to have all this stuff, including being around in the, you know, the era of grunge with all the spooky good stuff around it was just a good time i think to come in yeah and there's also like um i don't know i don't i don't really identify with this but there we people our age were deemed like the indigo children by like the boomer new age people and there but there was this like really positive energy at the end of the 80s like when the berlin wall fell and when house music became mainstream, like house music and dance music was another big thing in my childhood. Like even like the neon stuff, the rave look, like our parents would dress us up like that. And we literally had at my school, like a gym teacher that would just play like house music and we'd be like running around. Like So there was like really good vibes back then. And also this is all like pre, this is that gap between the cold war and like the war on terror. And when I was super young, I was like, you know, wars are something that used to happen. There's no wars. And we're beyond that. That was like my childhood perception of the present when it was like the 90s, you know. Yeah, it was a little bit of a Goldilocks zone, really, looking back. And as Jerry and I have talked about a lot on not on other shows, not really in Nox Mente, but on the Obelisk and Cruising Mistake and other shows, that was kind of looking at causality loops and all of that. The 90s really feel like it was the last real generation, like the last real time. Everything's just kind of on a crazy rubber band bounce or something. Something's changed where, you know, I mean, I have my theories, but there was something, the 90s still felt like original. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, and it was, it's really interesting too, because um, I was like right at the edge before like computers became like a really central part of schooling. And I just remember like I had really good teachers and a lot of them were like baby boomer age or even older. And they really, that's the problem with millennials. Like that's why so many of them are snowflakes is because so many of the boomers were just like, you're perfect. Like you can do anything you want. Like all, and, and like, that's like actually ingrained into our heads. Cause you can't, that's childhood programming. And when you, when we all hit adulthood, like a lot of us are like idealistic to a fault and kind of like fucked in our lives in many ways. So like, like, like all those participation trophies that were given out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So like we had really idyllic, well, not everybody, but I had a really idyllic childhood. And then like from nine eleven forward, we've just been on this roller coaster and like every milestone, like graduating college was like around the 2008 recession. And now I'm in my early thirties and a lot of people are like trying to settle down and start families. And now we're in this like video game reality of viruses and race wars. So it's been like, we, it's, it's just been kind of a lot. And, and I just feel like so many people my age have been really, really programmed and no, everybody's just being like triggered by um, all these things that are happening in the world. And it's hard to just like stay focused and, and stay sane during all of it. What was your dream life like early on? Uh, and, you know, give us the whole breakdown of how, how the, the dreamscape looked and appeared and felt and all that. And this is so we're looking at your early life. So in my in my early life, um, I wasn't always like paying like now as somebody that has a dream journal and tries to remember dreams. I remember a lot more dreams after I started doing that. And when I was a kid, I would just forget them more often. I think there was um, there was one that was really <laughs> random. Like, and this is this is showing my like '90s kid like brain but like a lot of it was kind of the dreamscape itself was very like cinematic for me always kind of like even just like I I kind of feel like there's like background music like a score and just like all this like drama and over exaggeration but it feels like you're in a movie or something and there are all these like video games like um Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and I, one dream that I really remembered one time was this like street fighter monster uh, with like green skin and orange hair was like disguising and trying to like trick me or like get me or something. And was like, it was kind of this game. And then it, like when his identity was revealed, he was sort of like, fl like floating on like a surfboard. So like, if you could picture like street fighter when they're just like rocking around, like with their fists up like ready to fight it's like stuff like that like all of these super 90s like video game or ca cartoon like 
Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, all like I would have dreams when I was a kid that had sort of like plots like that. And, but I think overall, I, when I was younger, I couldn't remember. I, I just, it's harder for me to think of dreams when I was super young, but I do, like I said, I do remember certain like cartoonish, like little kid brain scenarios, I guess. What was your, at this stage in your life, what did you think about dreams? You know, when you'd wake up and have them, what, what was your concept of what was going on? Because it's obviously a different space. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I was always like, I was raised Catholic and, um, so on, and I was like a good little Catholic kid, to be honest with you. And um, I think, I don't know, I, when I would think about dreams, like I would think about consciousness a lot when I was a kid. And I remember one time I, I literally asked the babysitter, I was like, I had this idea in my head that like we're sort of walking around and our real consciousness is in a different dimension that's like, like I said, like, video game esque almost like the matrix like uh lines and stuff i was thinking in terms of like what if our consciousness is in this other realm and everything we see and touch and all of our senses are sort of fake and i remember i asked a, i tried to ask a babysitter that once and she was like really confused and like wait so you're asking me if you're blind deaf you can't taste you can't hear i was like no 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 you're like it's not that you can't, you don't have those senses, it's that, it's that these senses are fake and your consciousness is really somewhere else or something. And I would, I, I don't know, sometimes I would just be like playing with toys and like stop and just like stare at a wall and be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is this? And I would be like, how do, like, I would sort of look, think about my, the sensory world around me and be like, how the hell, am I like a ghost in the machine sort of? So I would, I would think weird, strange, heady thoughts like that when I was really young, but I guess dreaming wasn't something when I was a kid that was super relevant or else I'm just can't freaking remember. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's interesting, though. I like that you were this kind of kid that was questioning your reality at this point. And, and you know, some of it, obviously, is the content you had access to, which you, you already brought to us. Uh, and then some of it, you know, we can attribute to the, the chart you brought, you came in with, which is to me like a lining up your school course ahead of time. That's how I always view astrology. I think we have a hand in it. Uh, so I do find that interesting. Did you have any fears? Was there anything that scared your little millennial heart? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yes. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, at a certain point, it was demons because <laughs> I was Catholic and then I saw the Hugh exorcist. <laughs> Everything yeah, is like, demons. Everything. But it was like, <laughs> you know, my parents would be like, this is the scariest movie ever made. And it would be on like 
TNT or something. And they'd be like, see, this is what happens. A demon possesses the little girl's body and the priests have to like get the demon out. And I was like, what if that happens to me? And it was like, fuck, ever since then, like in my like childhood, I was, you know, afraid of that happening. And um, I was also afraid of like Bloody Mary and um, Candyman was a big thing in Chicago. Like they made a movie in the 90s about that. But they would say, if you say like Candyman, Candy, like in the mirror, like a dude comes out with a hook. <laughs> and, that was about Cabrini Green, wasn't it? Or yeah, in the Cabrini yeah, Green yeah. area. Yeah. That They're remaking that movie too, or a sequel. One of the two things. That's funny. I used to walk through there all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was like before bed, like um, I don't know, like a lot of it was mirror, like mirror stuff. Like there was um, <laughs> in my like house. I remember there were two like sliding doors that had mirrors on them. You know, so it was like a mirror on a mirror, and I would just stand in the middle and see the like infinite you know thing and i just would always be like that's like a portal or something like so i think when i was a kid that weird um like i would just sort of be like shit something's gonna come out of that mirror <laughs> so i think that and that's really the the main things like demons and weird things that you freaking invoke by saying stuff in the mirror I think you missed your calling as an exorcist. I know. I was just thinking that. <laughs> well, it's never too late. <laughs> you took the words out of my head. I'm pretty sure the Vatican's got some kind of sale going on classes. Yeah, they're they're recruiting. I get you know times are dark. I mean, they, I I've felt like an exorcist at like a music festival, and I see people on drugs, and I'm like, that's a demon. <laughs> And yes you, oh. that's when i see it you know yeah that's the that's the deep blue i love to get into so when so move forward a little and get us into when you started to actually be more active with the dreams and how did they start when did it start occurring to you that there's more going on there um definitely in high school because like I mean, it's the same as I am now. I'm into weird stuff <laughs> and like consciousness and psychedelics and dreams and spiritual stuff. So I remember in the like early 2000s internet age, when I was a teenager, I was just looking at all these weird topics online. Like, and I was like, oh, lucid dreaming. Um, I I had like, like, like I was interested in, in trying that because I was like, I want to like explore the dream world and stuff. And like it, it, it became, I became more interested when I realized that like altered states, you know, if I was, if I was doing drugs or experimenting with like altered states, I was like, well, the dream world is an altered state. So it was sort of like a stupid teenager thing, but that's what led me to what I'm into today. It's still um and i when i was i'm definitely a night owl to to this day and i think my night owlness 
arrived when I was a teenager. And it probably was from like having a computer in my bedroom and like just staying, <laughs> staying on the internet really late. Um, but like I did start to, I had some like sleep paralysis stuff in, in high school too. That was really freaky. And, um, I just was like, okay, now I kind of get that like the dream world is this like place sort of, and it's connected to psychedelics and like higher consciousness and all this other stuff. So I think, um, and I, I was able to lucid dream back then pretty well. And, um, it was kind of fun to do that back then. And I, I think, (laughs) this is, I'll just say it like back then, like when you, when you got lucid, the first thing you want to do is like sexual stuff. So like, that's kind of the beginning stages of exploring it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, walk us down that a little bit. You know, I love talking about sex. Everyone knows this. And uh, especially in context to dreams, because to me, nothing is more fulfilling than a wet dream. So let's go there. And I know you will. So when you first started lucid dreaming, how old would you say you were? Um, probably 15, 14 mm. or 15, maybe. Yeah, those hormones are pumping. But unfortunately, it was like, it was not... Um, it was like you're lucid and you're just like way too and this is this is my problem getting lucid to this day is like the control freak side of you takes over and that kind of wakes you up usually so i think and it's interesting like these days i don't really lucid dream much at all but i have really good dream recall and um if I do get lucid, it's more about like, okay, stop what you're doing, take a few breaths and get used to the space and get comfortable and then slowly lucidly explore. But then sometimes if you do that, it just sends you right back into like you're dreaming and you're not lucid, you're just dreaming. So I think lately I can't, it's not that I don't want to be lucid, but I, I sort of prefer to, let my psyche play around with me and toss me around. And then when I wake up, be like, okay, here was a symbol. Here was a symbol. Here's maybe like a precog thing, you know? So I have a, I, I have trouble when I get lucid having the control freak thing kind of ruin it. So. That's, you know what, that's, it's very common. And, uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people that peddle ideas and ways of holding on to it and then deepening the experience. And I find having tried so many over the years, there are some things that work for me, some things that don't. But in the end, it, it does come down to actually letting go and letting the experience happen. It seems to me that every time I still, every time I try and focus at the beginning of realizing I'm in the dream and I'm feeding the dream in that moment is when if I let go then it can open and and I can I can then 
be handed the controls. But if in that moment I realize I'm dreaming everything and then I, I start to somehow left brain it, it just takes me back into the dreamscape. I hear this a lot about people who just want to go on the ride and I enjoy that aspect. What, so when, I do want to come back to when you were 15, you know, I'm going to go there. Uh, and in the first thing you wanted to do was explore sexual experiences within the dream and hopefully within lucidity. How did any of that work out for you? Especially since there's not a lot of people on our show that have brought much of that to us, except for me, who's always the queen of holding up that banner. Yes. <laughs> you know, more, more sex in the dream life. Well, uh, it, it was hard. Like if it was a situation where it was a lucid dream, it would be like, it's kind of embarrassing, but it would be like aggressive and just like searching, like a rush to search for um, gratification and before you wake yourself up. And most of the time I would wake myself up. But I'm, I, the, the main reason I brought the sex thing up was just because that was that was sort of like uh, the only thing that I like that was the only lucidity that I would have for a while before I guess my psyche or my dream self was more like had different priorities in the dream world I guess but most of the time it would be like Oh, I got to find someone before I wake up and like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, is, I, I, mean, Dan, I think it's thanks so for common. having me bring that up to the audience. <laughs> I, know, I love it. I'm so glad we're talking about sex. Uh, um, this is important. And I think that, you know, we're also talking about you at like 15 and obviously the hormones in the, in your physical body are moving through and that stuff's happening and pardon me, I talk way too much these days. And uh, so that's just going to play into what's going on in that scape. That's also very important when the hormones come online. So I, 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 you're making me think of like one, see, it's kind of funny when I would have like a really, when I was a kid, I didn't remember that many dreams, but I do remember that I would sometimes like tell my friends, and I remember the first kind of like sexual-ish dream involved um, Alicia Silverstone when that movie Batman and Robin came out. But it oh, yeah. wasn't, it, the reason I bring this up is because it wasn't like raunchy. It was actually really archetypal because it was like very, it was in the ocean on the shore, very like Venus. So that's, that, that's one of the, few that I do remember from being a kid but there are those few that are uh like I said cinematic and kind of beautiful and not just like raunchy you know uh, well that's yeah they don't have to be mine are never actually raunchy the only raunch that happened for me was in you know phase in my life uh so but in my dreams, sex is usually got a 
a more of a love a Venus quality to it. And you know my chart. There's, you know, a Venus girl. But Venus, the Aries Venus stuff. You, your birthday is really close to 42069. <laughs> you almost had it. I know. Uh, um, oh, thanks for putting that out there, by the way. Oh, uh, I had to do a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyway, when when we're looking at at your early lucid dreams and moving into all of this stuff, what what was that landscape? So you mentioned water, and water is one of those things I'm very interested in uh, when it comes to big archetypes. What do you have to bring here that may uh, churn up some of the water stuff within your dreams? Do you, does the ocean or deep water or running water, has water played a role in your dream life at this point? Definitely, yeah. Um, and I can tell my state of mind by the, um, how rough the water is, you know? And I've definitely had dreams where it's like tidal waves and water tornadoes. And when I wake up, I'm like, yeah, that's because my life is in shambles at the moment. But um, it's all there's there's often two I've had really see. Yeah, water is is huge because sometimes it's I have a lot of like beaches in my dreams. And um, when it's like. I feel like the beach in the water is an indicator of your state of mind. And the thing I I've had, I've had a lot of dreams where I'm looking into the water and say, it's like tidal waves and like Moby Dick, like nighttime, like you see a whale or you see like a sea monster. And then there's times where, I've seen like dolphins and stuff, or there's also times where I think it's like a shark. And then I like look and correct my vision and it's something more gentle, like a sea turtle. So it's like whatever's below the surface in the dream world is usually indicating something. And um, I've also had like sea, like snakes, seeing snakes like swim in the water, <laughs> which is, really trippy um did when you the snakes and the more leviathan type stuff is definitely where uh holds my interest when you're in the water with those kinds of leviathan type energies is there a fear factor are you comfortable what's usually the mood usually the mood is like identifying what it is so and sometimes there's fear and, um, but usually it's like, I want to, I want to know what that thing is that's under the surface. Um, is it good or bad? <laughs> so, um, and sometimes it morphs like, or sometimes the depth morphs, like sometimes you think you're shallow and then all of a sudden it drops off deeper. Um, but yeah, and also just like the quality of the water, like if it's like Caribbean aqua blue, or is it like 
tidal waves and like dirty nasty water like it can be different things you know what when i was a kid when i was a kid i had the exact same types of dreams with with water with some kind of dark thing under the water Mm -hmm. that was always about to get me but i'd always get out in time but i could never tell what it was yeah i i remember one time i was in a (laughs) i was seeing a therapist that was like a Jungian therapist and um he first of all like so he he this guy was like kind of like a grumpy old man you know picture like a Jungian dude (laughs) and he kind of looked like Ernest Hemingway and I had this crazy dream where I told him about it and he was like laughing he's like I'm I'm because I saw this like sea captain that looks like Ernest Hemingway and the way it was like Moby Dick with like (laughs) literally it was like nighttime and i thought i was gonna fall in the water and i thought there was like a sea monster but then it's like a a blue whale and i felt better about the whale than the sea monster Mm. and he was like well i'm i'm the Ernest hemingway guy and your subconscious is the water and we're trying to look down and like because like the the moby dick guy was like shining the the light in the water and stuff like that and i was i was kind of like Oh, I guess you're right. Like I thought, and, and I was at the t- time I was kind of like, I wanted a different answer than that. But that was an interesting um, synchro, I guess. <laughs> That's our synchro bell. <laughs> <laughs> We're ever evolving. <laughs> Gotta have so, the props. That's cool. Yes, Jerry's always got the props. So with also with these big symbols when you think about water so having grown up in the chicago area of course you're you're in proximity to uh lake michigan and which is you know the great lakes are so beautiful i just i love them and uh what when you think of deep water when you think of water in general what does that what does that bring up for you right now just as as the idea what are the words that come to mind um i i like water (laughs) um i just like i think of like floating leisure um weightlessness you know like freedom in a way um being like suspended and um i was all like i was a a swimmer when I was a kid, like on the swim team. And when I was a teenager, I was a lifeguard. And so, yeah, I, I've always been comfortable. I'm pretty aquatic, I would say. Yeah. It's, you know, that you'd be surprised how many people actually do not have uh, water dreams. And this is another reason why I like to get the early stuff out of the way where, where did they, grow up in all this and you you know you always had that close by but it's not like you were raised on the beach either and the great lakes are way different than oceans or or living like say in the columbia river or rio grande uh it's a different energy yeah and there's definitely. a lot of the are isn't there uh i see in here i think hello oswald hello everyone i love you all too um i think oswald brought up 
stone a Stonehenge in Lake Michigan. Oh, really? I I don't know. I think somehow maybe Scott Wolker had investigated that, but I somehow that seems real. Jerry, are you on that? Looking. So there's well, yeah. I've there's definitely um, uh, you know, like I said, I'm into paranormal stuff, and there's definitely I've seen paranormal ish stuff on the lake as an adult, you know, when I actually lived in the city near the lake. Um, but yeah, a lot of the Mothman stuff that was being seen in like 2017 that was on the lake. Um, Yes. I've seen, um, one time I saw like a, like an orb (laughs) and it was, I've seen orbs before, in other situations, but it, it looks, I understand that if you take like a Polaroid dust can make those shapes appear, you know, and that's fake, but it looked like that shape and it was like moving um, kind of across the trees next, like near Montrose beach when it was dark out. And I was like, what the hell is that? That's like a weird intelligent orb thing. And then there was another time where, you know, when I was right before I left Chicago, I would, would always kind of drive home on the same route from like through Rogers Park up to Evanston. And there's a stretch at the very northern part of the city limit where it's a cemetery. I don't know if either of you, if you're on uh, Sheridan Road. I know the cemetery. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that fabulous. Was, that's my favorite part of the whole city, by the way. It's, such it's a, amazing. It's a liminal space and it's beautiful. But I would drive home every night, never, ever saw a boat on the lake, you know, and to my right, like, so the cemetery is to your left and to your right is the lake. And this is like around midnight, there's like a huge platform thing, or it looked like a freaking aircraft carrier or something just out there to, to my right. And I was like, I've never seen a boat at night i've never seen boats in this part you know it's not a high traffic area and there was this like freaking aircraft carrier sized thing but it was just like lights and you could see the lights reflecting on the water and everything and i was like taking photos of it i was like what the hell is this thing and then you know after that when i would be on the lakefront every boat pretty much has to have like a blinking light you know when it's nighttime and this thing had none of that so i think lake michigan definitely is some kind of portal you know and and even when you go north there's a lot of lore in like the state of michigan like and state of wisconsin like up north from chicago and i think there's just a lot of weird stuff with that lake but it's also one of my favorite you know bodies of water i guess too yeah it's it's for people that have not explored, I mean, this area you're talking about is extremely enchanted with old energy. And there are pyramids in Wisconsin. Atzatlan comes to mind immediately. And uh, I always had amazing paranormal experiences around the Great Lakes, up into Superior and Lake Huron and all this. It, so it's interesting to hear this coming from you. Uh, would Within your dream realm, 
have you experienced these kinds of things that in your waking life you call paranormal, but within the context of a dream? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, there's been stretches of time where, um, like in my 20s, you know, I kind of went, I went, I would go through some ups and downs and sort of hit depression points, you know, and that would be the time of my life when like sleep paralysis stuff would happen. Cause I really feel like when you, if you have a negative sleep paralysis experience, I, I really think things are kind of feeding off that negative energy. And so I would sometimes have these nightmares where it would be like, uh, it would be like I was in a room and then the lights would start to flash and I would be like, there's a freaking demon in here. And then you would get the sleep paralysis feeling. And it was just like being overwhelmed with fear. Um, but it would be like, it, like, like you said, it would be like paranormal things happening in the dream world that would send me into a state of fear. Have you, so as an astrologer and a damn good one at that, have you been able to now with that lens and understanding the astrological signatures and tides and all this transits, have you been able to pinpoint, uh, you know, say when Neptune's transiting something or other in your chart, uh, have there been any significant dots for you to connect within astrology and your dream life let me put it that way yeah definitely um anytime the moon is in pisces i dream way harder and um literally anytime the moon square like makes an aspect to neptune in pisces i mean it's in pisces right now i'm like where how the how did i go that deep in the dream you know um so that's something I know, uh, like the planet Neptune, the moon being in um, Pisces or aspecting Neptune definitely stands out. And then kind of um, the, the planets or the archetypes randomly make appearances. And then I wake up, I'm like, oh, damn, that's like a sign, you know. And um, yeah, there's it's it's interesting with i i have more like tarot dreams to be honest than like astrology dreams and um i feel like those pop in my dreams more frequently could you give us an example of of how some of that the tarot imagery works its way into your dream life like sometimes, um, a lot of times I'll just pull a tarot card. Like I'll have a tarot deck in the dream and pull it. And um, I've had a few, I, I, I have a lot of fire in my chart. So I, I kind of lean more towards the wands suit. So I have a lot of wands dreams with where I'll, I think one time I had a dream that I was with a big group of people and I was in kind of like a leadership, like kind of leading the pack. And I like pulled a card 
and it was maybe it was one of the wands cards and i was kind of like yeah this is the energy of leading so stuff like that where i'll literally have a deck and it's it's less like the magician comes up to me full bodied and is talking to me it's more like i'm looking at a card And when did that kind of, so with, sticking with like astrology and tarot for a minute, overlapping into the dreamscape, when did that all start as far as where you would see this dream you just gave me and then noticing that, you know, if we have the Pisces moon, that you're more, uh, you, you know, that you were more able to have vivid dreams and these kinds of markers was this something that has always been around that you've noted or is it something newer in your life and as i had already mentioned you were you are an astrologer now but is it something you noticed before you became an astrologer or interested in the tarot well I think um, before I really learned astrology, um, I would have, I mean, sometimes I would have like kind of like scary dreams about like the occult. <laughs> so I'd be like, because in the very beginning of my journey into the esoteric, I was like, this is bad this is going to get me in trouble i'm going to hurt myself whatever so i would kind of have that esoteric symbolism pop in in more of like a nightmare form but i think um god i'm trying to think of a specific astrology example but <clears throat> i know before i learned astrology like real astrology, I, I would sometimes have dreams where I was looking at like the night sky and it was really, it was like, you know, like a windows wallpaper, like cosmic with stars and you'd feel the energy, you know, and it was really a cool feeling in the dream world. And um, I, it's interesting too, like when I, this is kind of off topic, but I noticed that like in my twenties and beyond, whenever I'm in a dream and I see something really cool, whether, like I said, it's like the night sky or a crazy event, I always have a phone in my dream and I'm always trying to take a photo of it. So maybe that says something about like how, how often I share stuff or want to capture stuff or want to share it on social media, you know, because so often in the dream world, I'm taking photos and like scrambling to get my phone out to take the photo. And then when you're looking at the screen, it should be a trigger to get me lucid because the, the letters and the numbers you can never quite like type or you can never quite um, get what you want out of it. But yeah, I have, um, and yeah, it's like my phone is a part of my dream world for sure. And I'm like texting, I text people in the dream world. I call people and I'm, like I said, I'm always trying, if crazy shit is happening in the dream, I'm always trying to take a picture, which is kind of weird. 
This is very modern, as you know. And uh, I think you're the first person possibly on our Nox Minte Chronicles that has brought that up. Uh, and and I'm sure through like uh, traditionally, you know, I took a bunch of photography in college. It was dark room, and I remember photographing, you know, with 35 millimeter. And uh, this is very provocative to me, and so modern. Did it come on? It's like a no brainer, obviously, to you when you're in the dream and you just pull forth your cell phone and you start you're trying to take photos do you remember when that started was it to me that would be definitely a call to lucidity because it's it's not even i don't even actually technically own a cell phone so it would it, you know it'd be so out of my usual it'd be very unusual for me but this is the normal for everyone now and so obviously it is in everyone's dreamscape because it's in the collective around us. Do you recall when that started to happen for you? Yeah, it was, it was probably like when Instagram came around, you know, that's the only, um, it's kind of pathetic to admit this, but like, that's like the main social media thing that like th that my actual friends look at the people that I care about read versus Facebook, which is like high school randoms. But, um, and a lot, uh, that's just how, that's how people are right now. Like, and I, I like when my friends over, I like when my, my friends that I love like overshare. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, they're doing great. Yeah. Woohoo. So like I, I have that impulse in life and then definitely in the, dream world but um but sometimes like i've been on like conference calls in the dream world or like video chats like it's like it's not just like a small part of it it's actually like kind of like a fundamental part of it yeah this is this is something that's very timely because it's like it's it's a reality within a reality within a reality. It's like you standing in your childhood looking at that infinity mirrors, right? Yeah. And so we're talking about online experiences, you know, via whatever platform, Instagram in this example. And there you are in your apparent real life in your bed wherever you're sleeping, dreaming, there you are in your dream, right? On your phone and interacting on Instagram. And this, it's a fractal that just is turning in on itself or moving out from itself. And it's fascinating. And on, a, on an exploration of consciousness and where, where you are within that is... Uh, is juicy and I had just I was just listening to the unfuckers today and I have not seen season three of Westworld and I'm a big fan of Westworld by the way so and I, I shall be binging season three soon uh this was a theme like this I, I gather this idea of 
realities within real sims within sims i guess and you just brought that in i mean that's another synchronicity here so when and you and you don't even question <laughs> i'll carry with that and so you're in this reality within a reality and you're not even questioning it questioning it as wh where you are yeah does and now, that and is there I'm, any kind of what's the play there I mean, I, I was just thinking about this, you know, how when you're dreaming and you, if you can't, if you don't, if you look at a clock, the clock changes, if you try to type, the phone changes. But weird, like I said, I've been, I've had, I've had these phone dreams since Instagram came out, but I really feel like at the point, it's at this point, it's stable enough where I'm just like, texting in the dream and like at least maybe i'm not like reading it like word for word but it's because the more the more the better my dream recall gets like the more using a phone is just actually not that shifty anymore and more stable which is strange so what do you think about, and let's get a little philosophical here. What do you think about using when you're within the dreamscape? So you're already removed from this construct by one, by power of one. And, uh, and you're texting within the dreamscape, which could, that's by power of two. And it, it could be construed that this avenue could be used as a way for uh tele in any of the powers of um communication that are non-actual physical verbal so telepathic for example here have you had ever had any feedback from others have you tried to while being lucid send a text within the dream to someone and then you know it's a is a fishing attempt to see if you could get a response either within the dream or later in the waking experience well i don't think i've successfully had that work out before um like uh, yeah i don't think i've clearly communicated with people where and sometimes you know when i think about some of the more recent times i've had like clear communication on a phone like a video chat or something it was actually like a very emotional and sort of raw interaction with this other person and this other person is not someone that i was about to reach out to and be like hey did you dream about me last night so um i haven't had that that work out i have had like precognitive dreams um but none that's sort of me observing those things coming through and less like me coordinating with someone else and like getting confirmation that some something came through do you see where that could go though yeah definitely there's a lot, if we use that as a tool, I mean, in fact, you've inspired me to, to do this. So don't be surprised if you get a dream text. So me within my dream texting you 
as a form of tele, telepathic communication and you're already on me anyway i can think about you often and you'll pop in it's really weird i have a great connection with you no i've had i i had a dream about you kind of recently actually but um and and when you i i'll never forget you know we were we were just chatting or i don't even know if we were chatting at the time but before I moved to Colorado, um, I had a dream that, and this was like long before I was serious about it. I had a dream that I was in Summit County where I live now. It wasn't really the main part where I lived, but it was this big library structure. And I was going through the library and I was like, I'm in Colorado. Like I know where I'm at blah 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 and there were these little robotic bugs that just invaded the library and when I woke up I was like that's really intense like that I was in Summit County um that felt like I was there maybe that's a sign that I'll make it there um and then I went on YouTube Nish and I saw your music video that had like the swarms of locusts and the virus imagery and stuff and I texted you, I was like, I just had a dream about like metallic robot bugs invading in, in Summit County, Colorado. You put this like Oracle music video out about viruses and locusts and stuff. And I was like, that was a really weird synchronicity. And then in my, in my life, I made it to Summit County, was here for a month and the coronavirus came through. So that was just a really, cause it was like, I had that intense dream. Then the first thing I see on Twitter or something is your music video. So that was, a, that was a, a nice little prediction there. Yeah. We're, we're synced up like that. And I enjoy, I enjoy those connections with some people in my outer world and you're one of them. Uh, this is, and the, you know, there's, there's a lot of download I mean, that brings us right into the idea of downloads within the dream and precog stuff or dreaming true, however you want to look at it. What's your experience with, I mean, clearly you were tapping into that energy right there. And I call that a hit as well, Dan. So, but what is your, what's your experience in general with precogging in dreams or foreshadowing? You know, I think foreshadowing, the idea of foreshadowing is a little more sexy. Yeah, well, for years, I would have dreams that I was playing the guitar <laughs> and had never picked up a guitar. But like, I was like, damn, in the dream, I was I like knew how to play a guitar. Like my fingers were going to the right place. It felt natural and I could play what my, you know, like I could pl play what my inner ear wanted to play. But I never even like, I didn't own a guitar, I didn't have a guitar. And then maybe like two or three years later, I would like picked up the guitar and learned how to play. So that was going on. Um, one of the most recent ones that happened. So during this whole coronavirus thing, um, I was, like I said, living in Summit County. And I, I live in a lock off that has um, a couple that's upstairs and I have the whole downstairs and they live upstairs. And I had a dream 
that I was looking out the window. It was winter. And I saw this cheetah like sprinting towards the house. Like this cheetah was coming at the house. And I told my landlord upstairs, the lady, I was like, we got to go up to higher ground, go up, go up. And we were like running from this cheetah. And it was like jumping up on the balcony and trying to get down to us. And the next day I even told my friend, I'm like, dude, something is coming. Like, I don't know. I, at the time I was like, I don't know if it's a coronavirus is going to like come to the house or I just knew something was about to intrude and we had to like get to higher ground to escape it. And then, so like the day after I was like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And then that night I hear just like the door swing open and I hear someone just like storm into the house and they were renting, um, a room upstairs to a guy who left the country. And then when he's, they said, don't come back. This is a pandemic. He was in Ecuador. Like, don't, don't come back. We don't want you here. And he just stormed in and basically said like, I don't know you anything for rent. I know my rights. They're not evicting anyone. I'm staying here as long as I want. And he just lived up there, like shared the same living room, kitchen with this older couple. And he was just like this, chaotic horrible energy to just have it was stressing all of us out because like you at the time in like february you could not evict anybody like the cops were like they're like well we had a verbal agreement we said don't come in we're out we're like older we were vulnerable and this guy they were like well he has rights you know as a tenant or whatever even if it's a verbal agreement so that was like a precog that like this like chaotic like aggressive um, person was going to return and like wreak havoc. So that's the most recent thing I could think of. That's a good one. It, it also leads me into wanting to get the mood of your dreams since say, and obviously you had done this big move, which of course I was, you know, really urging you to get that underway. <laughs> you did it just in time. Like the locusts are coming. Uh, uh, and <laughs> I was like, damn, do it now. Uh, um, but again, you can only, uh, you know, one can only just suggest it's a good idea. So, but I'm so glad you did clearly but what how so what i'm saying here is you've had a big life change during during all this time that is now a global change and i'm wondering the mood or general feel of your dream life has it shifted and how so you know what's what's the general feeling going on in that space well when i was um I, I, I basically was unemployed from early March until early May, a little bit shorter than that, maybe like mid-March to the very, the very beginning of May. Um, and during that whole time, you know, I was sleeping in a lot. I was taking naps a lot. I was at home eating, going, I mean, I was in nature daily, which was great, but, um, the dreams were so freaking vivid it was the to describe the mood it wasn't um it wasn't like based in fear like oh we're all gonna die the pandemic it was like when i would wake up i'd be like 
what the fuck that was way i would like look at my hands and be like this is like dense muck compared to where i was you know so and then like again that's very cinematic dreaming with like plots and sort of sort of like some kind of narrative happening um but like I said, it wasn't fear. It was just vividness to the point where it's like, how is it this vivid, you know? I want to, I had, I had this question mark here. So I want to kind of bounce back a little bit. Um, you had mentioned earlier, and I did not want to lose track of this. You'd mentioned earlier about scary occult dreams at some point. And I was hoping you could give us an example and, and, uh, maybe dive into that a little bit further. So yeah, give us a time so, frame. Start with the time frame, general period in your life, and then, you know, bring us into some okay, imagery. I, I just thought of one. <laughs> so when I was in New Orleans, um, you know, after being there for a while, I was really interested in the whole voodoo thing, all the ghost houses, everything there. But really, before I even got a chance to get into that, I had this like really intense and scary voodoo dream where and it was like during a nap, I was crashing at a, a friend's couch, like when we just arrived, you know, and I was taking a nap and um, I was in this like graveyard <laughs> in New Orleans, you know, like the above ground graves. Yeah, they're so and, beautiful down there. Yeah. And um, I was hopping from grave to grave because they're like flat top surfaces, you know. And there was water. Speaking of water, there was like, it was like flooded, you know. It was, there was water between those graves. That's why they're built that way. And I was hopping from grave to grave and there was like... Um, there were little folk magic-y things that I knew was like black magic, you know? So it was like, it was, you know, like the seven day candles with stuff tied to them. Or like, I remember seeing like wax heads that were kind of melted and drippy. And, and then the entire time I, I was like hopping through this graveyard being like, that's like a hex, that's a hex. The background music was literally like these like, african drums that were just getting louder and louder like in jumanji the movie it was like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it was like a hollywood like scary voodoo scene but it was like it was so early in the t in my time there that i don't know how my brain like put all that together to to be that spot on with like what actually happens in new orleans with all the occult activity you know with all all types of people doing all types of stuff and all types of paranormal stuff so that was kind of a nightmarish thing and um how old were you at that period i was <clears throat> 24 24 so also it sounded like you had a couple more experiences yeah, and then um, I'm trying to think. Like, the, as far as the nightmare stuff, like, um, 
you know, I, <laughs> this is another thing I'm not proud to admit, but when I was in my twenties in Chicago, <clears throat> as you guys know, Chicago is like a weekend warrior city. People party a lot. And my friends were, you know, I was never really like the white collar type, but my friends were. So we were like <clears throat> staying up really late, drinking a lot, making bad choices, you know, doing things to keep you up all night. And when there would be those nights where I would like get home with the sun coming up, like the worst feeling ever <laughs> in the pit of your stomach, like, what have I done? That's oh, when yeah. I would get like <laughs> sleep paralysis. <laughs> and um, I remember one time it was on Halloween. It was like the day after Halloween. And Ooh, I had to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and I had to sleep paralysis. And you know, it's interesting because at that point, um, I was doing sort of like the LBRP stuff. So I've had times where I have that like hag attack and after like a night of partying. And I remember doing like the LBRP, like out of my body, like get out of here, like get away. And, but, um, I, I, I don't even get nightmares anymore. Like I've, I've been, I think like my spiritual practice has kept in the beginning. It was like, I was scared of what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I was going through mental health issues and living an unhealthy lifestyle like I mentioned like partying and that's when like the the nightmares would occur but knock on wood I, I've been pretty good for maybe the past like four or five years so I think um like I said like like spiritual oppression is real like if you're if you're like an addict or if you're um, in a deep depression, you know, stuff kind of comes at you like a moth to a flame and um, spiritual hygiene is really important. So yeah. And I don't party at all anymore. It's I'm really over it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I did all that stuff in my twenties too. It was in my hell in my teens. <laughs> and then and then but I mean nothing I don't know I think it's really unappealing as we move older but everyone's got their own their own, everyone's on their own path making their own choices hopefully hopefully that yeah it's it's that hard in Chicago <laughs> like Chicago has such a culture of it and yeah yeah oh, just like if you're, you have the person to text if you need to text if you're if you're looking to go out Oh yeah. There's that there there are those friends that are always out. Well, so. it's the sixth largest city in the world. I mean, it's a, it's truly a metropolis. There are two metropolises in the US and New York City and Chicago are do be they. <laughs> yeah. Well, now both of them are freaking World War Z. So Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely it's two of the worst places to be and apparently LA, but that's a no-brainer as well. Um, Ooh, throwing shade. I, you know, I've had my LA time twice. I don't know. There's just something, and I'm a West Coast girl, but there's just something about, and I, I love Cal. There's so much in California I love. I'm just not a big fan of LA, but I love people there. Anyway, this show's not about that. Uh, Dan, at one point, like the meander with Dan. <laughs> 
So uh, back to, I had, what did I have here? Okay, so what about full-on out-of-your-body experiences? Have you enjoyed any of that? You know, traditionally it's called like astral projection. The language is now morphing so much, it's hard to get... uh, get on the same page with some people now with the terminology. Yeah. Well, I think it was young who said something. I don't know how the hell he phrased it, but there was something like everybody has that, those dreams. You only get a handful of them in your life, but the dreams that sort of take change everything or whatever, or really take you to that higher higher than just the dream realm but like into literally like a higher dimension you know i'd say i've had two of those where i'm like that when i when you wake up you're actually like that was a different dimension and now i'm in this more dense 3d world i had one in college and it's funny i was I remember I fell asleep. I was listening to Coast to Coast AM back then, even like on the actual radio. Like Art Bell period? It was George Norrie. Okay. It was the same station that played um, Dr. Demento. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forget forget what station it was, but yeah, I remember. It was an AM station. (laughs) Yeah, well, this was when I was in college in in Boulder, but uh, I, so. I went to this like Hindu, like Eastern (laughs) realm that was like so heavenly. And it was like, um, I remember seeing like mandalas and it was like gold, like gold and glowing. And before that, I was like in this like astral version of like the the redwoods the california redwoods but it was like neon it was like neon like 3d really like trippy and there were these wolves running around that were like neon wolves so this is almost like a dmt thing but i was just dreaming and then i went higher to this like hindu um space and there was this dude sitting on the bench and he, it was like this like bodhisattva guy and he was like and there were keep in mind there were these mandalas swirling and he was like oh have you seen mr something he said like some guy's name like mr jones and i was like no why and he was like well you know how to work with the soma and um he can help you with the soma and i was like what and then I woke up and I was like, holy shit, I was in like another realm. What the hell just happened? And what is Soma? <laughs> but Soma is like the, the food of the gods. And some people think it's like psychedelics, you know? So that, I mean, that was just a, that was the first time where I was like, holy crap, that was like a different dimension or something. And I'm coming back with this vocabulary that is real, but I didn't know for dreaming and stuff so i had that happen then the other time the other one that happened was really kind of cool and like i said cinematic and it was when i was in new orleans um i was in 
I wasn't in the city. I was at my friend's place, like in the country. And I just took a nap on his couch. And I had this freaking Egypt dream where I was in the desert and kind of like in the movie Aladdin, like the, the sand revealed this like passageway underground into this like underground tomb. And I saw the head of um, an Egyptian like queen and it was she it was like a Nefertiti style hat. And she was like, you're here like with uh, this group of of people like you're like <laughs> it was literally like you've you've joined this club or something you're one of the selected few and i went into this like downstairs of the cavern and it was like multicultural people my age. it was like it was like street art and graffiti and it was like a culture it was like an art thing and we were like running around it was literally like going to like hogwarts but like Egypt and I was just, and I just remember it was multicultural and it was very like urban, like graffiti, colorful, like art and stuff like that. And then again, when I woke up, I was like, holy crap, like this reality is nothing compared to that. So those are two pretty, those two stand out in my memory of like when dreams are like, spiritual higher dimension astral plane like crazy stuff and when and when when you wake up from that you're like where did i just go like how the hell is that possible and that this is part of the magic and part of what i think we should be doing in general uh is questioning reality and with that said, what are you, what's your idea at this point where you are in, at this stage in your life, especially as we look at the outer world where everything is just unbelievably out of control and, you know, who would have thought a year ago that the things that have unfolded are unfolding. So where stability of the gravity of reality is very loose anything feels possible and these times are exciting for me and uh what so what do you think the world the 3d world that we have constructed or participate in that people call reality is and so this is philosophical of course but but what, given everything we've talked about and the ideas of what could be I'm curious as to where you land on that. Well, I think I, I inadvertently have kind of a Kabbalistic view. I kind of have a tree of life view of the cosmos and that, but it, that just means that like everything is emanating down to here but everything here is emanating up too. So I think, um, I think this is sort of like a, a matrix where thought, you know, <clears throat> like thought is kind of tr trickling down and affecting reality. So in the way that like ideas and downloads arrive at certain people, I really think that comes from 
higher places like if the if you get hit by the muse that's that's like how god or the divine influences the world you know and and i think even below us in like malkuth there's like lower forces too that are literally um just trying to like the arconic forces or demonic forces or whatever and um if we're sort of caught in the middle like i really think this reality is really really important because i mean even if you were in the dream world like you you'd either have such such a hard time staying stable or if you're in these higher astral realms um you'd maybe get bored being so blissed out but i i think um i think this is a matrix where bad stuff is supposed to happen to us and i think um you know because anybody that's gone through any type of hardship typically at the other end of it is like that changed me that helps me grow i'm better for it i'm wiser for it thank god i got it so i don't think life here is supposed to be perfect and i think there is this like karmic alchemical like process to literally suffer and transmute um the muck into gold you know like to face your shadow face your trauma face everything negative and choose to like change that into something good you know so it's it's hard because there's so many like generational traumas and if it's it's hard to forgive people if you've been really hurt by certain people but like if you can forgive and if you can like let go of these negative influences then you're sort of perfecting yourself so it's kind of new agey and cliche or just like nde cliche but it's sort of like this is like a school and we're just going through this process and even sort of the mo like it is like a video game in in a, many ways and with everything happening today i mean it's literally like the wizard of oz like the wizard of oz is like standing behind this curtain creating this like all these smoke and mirrors and craziness like that's what we're going through here and i sort of feel like that's like divinely allowed because you know this world is meant to be a world of like duality and pain and growth because we're not in this like static state of bliss all the time you know yeah well, that's well said and so moving further into that what is your uh concept of death and how does it how does it inform your life does it have a role in your daily life and then so just to piggyback onto that do you have experiences within your dream time of people you know that have died or even just anonymous others that are you know not to be of the waking 3d uh, apparent reality yeah well <clears throat> you you got me thinking of two death stories but in general with death um it's 
I'm really comfortable with the idea of death. I like, I'm, I'm Scorpio rising <laughs> and Scorpio moon. I'm comfortable. Oh, yeah. I'm comfortable in that space <laughs> too. Like, um, even when I was a little kid, I was a, I went to a Catholic school and I somehow just because like they could tell I was somehow comfortable with it. I became like the default funeral server <laughs> and they would like pay, they would pay us for like serving, like doing the mass, you know, for funerals. And I was always like, I don't know. I'm comfortable. It's not that I'm comfortable with death, but I like how death, um, is the great equalizer because everybody's going to die. Um, it's extremely like ignored in our culture because everything that we're like, everything we're programmed to do, like get a job, have a family, get married, save for retirement, retire. Then it's like have grandkids, then it's die. But like the die part, <sighs> is so far at the end and people are just like shuffling and shuffling to get through these hoops and jump through these hoops and stuff. And I, <clears throat> I like, um, in, in, in experiencing like other people passing and stuff, I kind of like how the passing of other people can open living people up to, to change their perspective or get real for a moment, you know, because so many people are in these like reality tunnels and and distracting themselves from death um and i had like an injury in college that felt like it, it wasn't like a true near-death experience but it was a really strong experience where afterwards i was like life matters and you can die at any day so why waste your time with the bullshit? It's it was it's cliche, but it was kind of like the guy in the office, <laughs> the mood or yeah, office space, um, who like gets hypnotized and is just like all of a sudden like living life to the fullest. You know, I had I think if you embrace death and sort of like dance with death, um, and it, it's weird too because like I I'm I live sort of. I don't want to say I live dangerously, but I've had high risk behavior throughout my life. Like hence how I like got injured. Like I said, I would party and, you know, would live life on the edge and like get right close to the edge of death. So I think, um, I don't know, maybe it's just the Scorpio in me, but I think death is kind of beautiful, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, anyone who listens knows that I, I do. I mean, the opposite of death is living and there, it's one in the end. I'm wondering, I'm wondering with that said, what, what makes it, what makes this, we, we kind of cover this territory, but I keep wanting to, I think there's more here. So, everyone that's having we're sharing a reality with everyone else and you know this is all out there in the philosophical lands and books and great philosophers what makes one person have 
a terrible experience or just, you know, besides perspective, perspective and perception, why is this person over here having a very bad experience and living in all these stories of drama? And this person over here is having a very good experience and it's all blissful. Do you see, where do you weigh in on that? I kind of, if I, if I were to like speculate, I think it comes with what I believe it comes down to like karma and just the, the journey of the soul and who's, cause everybody is completely unique and, and individual. And that's like what studying a birth chart helps you realize like all the little subtle differences between the way people are. And um, I sort of have a feeling that like, if this is sort of like a matrix, like we said, and the planets have some influence on us from the start with our natal chart all the way throughout our lives, influencing us with transits and stuff. Like, I think there is, I think this reality has some kind of karmic record keeping or, or at least maybe not for the individual soul, but I think within the idea of like a natal chart and pre I think a lot of life is predetermined and a lot of astrology really goes into intricate detail about like years that things will happen days that things will happen and um the more you study astrology the more you're like I'm not in control I'm in on this virtual ride and there is some purpose at the end of it all um so as far as like different people some people having really difficult and suffering lives and other people having really pleasant and blissful lives i think that's what you sign up for before you come in somehow and um or I, like i like i said i think i believe in like destiny and i i think free will is a thing but it's not as strong as some people think and from like near-death experience reports and stuff like that it seems like we consent to this craziness because it is all a big virtual game or movie or something and i think i don't know how i feel about this but like people that really suffer horrible horrific things in lot in their lives might be really advanced souls that sort of like do it for the plot of somebody else to see to teach someone else a lesson or something so like I, I sort of think in like a reincarnation sense like you come in with certain souls and um there are lessons to be learned and maybe you pass maybe you fail but i think when people think like how does god allow all this horrible stuff to happen it's like well it's part of this like game or it's it's the character development that you need or it's like i don't know that's just based on like near-death stuff but it seems like there is there are different levels of soul experience or whatever and if some people maybe f up really bad in one lifetime they might like go through some crazy 
suffering to comprehend that in another one, but it's hard to say. I don't know. <laughs> well, this is this is why I love it. It's fodder, and it's a, it's it it actually creates neural pathways that that help expand one's mind and so there's you know the whole plasticity thing that goes with it uh which is why i enjoy these kinds of deeper questions uh i'm wondering also with this said and kind of in the philosophy section here what what are your ideas about people that are really staunchly grounded in the material or atheism not agnostic not agnostic atheism and stuff like that where it's lights out when you're dead there's nothing more like the agnostic is open to the, there might be more the atheist is like this is it you know this is what it is babe it's material you know and then some can be more materialistic than others i mean there's just these degrees within everything again fractals 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 but where do you stand with that especially and i'm asking you because i you are an astrologer and you're also somebody who has uh had had a lot of self-reflection throughout your life as you've given us uh, great examples tonight so and i often find that type of character allows for uh, a different type of dive in the collective ocean. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I think even though, I, I mean, we love to categorize. And so an atheist is a nice label, but I don't, I think it depends on what type of atheist you're talking about. Like if it's, I think there can be an actually spiritual-ish way to be an atheist, you know, which is kind of like Zen in many ways, where if you are an atheist and you don't, and you just really, there is a way to be an atheist, I think, and you just don't believe in um, the significance of this reality. And so that's kind of like an, gnostic way to be an atheist or like i feel like if you if you learn if, if if you're mindful as an atheist that can there are some good people that are like that but i think a lot of atheism is um kind of programming you know because like human beings have never been atheists th throughout history and to there are situations political situations especially where spirituality does not serve um the bigger plan for your communist government let's say and so i think um it's hard for people to be true atheists because like human beings they're genetically and naturally they create ritual and they think about spirituality um but i think Atheism is like a diversion of that impulse to worship um, secular things, but still be very religious about them. So have it be, you know, in the way that religion is 
a way of self-identifying. I think a lot of atheists just want to, they want that label and they want um, to fit in with certain circles, whether that's like academic circles or like scientific circles or, you know, like the atheism is a crucial part of leftism. So it's hard to be a spiritual Marxist because the foundation of Marxism is actually like the number one thing that makes a Marxist is really being a materialist and atheist. So everything kind of falls apart if you try to change that around. So I think atheism is um, really important to certain powers that be in order for to promote certain agendas and mysticism and mysticism and spirituality and like free form spirituality has always been an enemy of like empire, you know? So I think um, we're in a time of like people are open to mysticism and they're open to spiritual things, but there aren't, um, there are still a lot of people trying to twist the atheistic like rhetoric or whatever like, you know, there's people that are like, witchcraft is just for like feminist like trans like goths that don't actually believe in what they're doing but it's like a political statement like they're trying to take that stuff and mix it into the marxist history and all of that stuff is right in our faces today um it's been generations in the works but now it's like really having its moment of are is marxism or is this stuff going to become is is it going to take over america that's kind of what's happening before our eyes so yeah, yeah. i think i think the it, political side of atheism is sort of under examined yes i agree and then also with that i know we're getting on in time but i want to get a couple more questions out at least oh, I, I got it all night i don't care hey <laughs> um, night. And so what about the idea and anyone that listens to me knows i believe in immortality i believe this whole thing is basically you know i mean this is dreams within dreams that's where i am uh and so what about the idea of immortality so as we and i want to i want to I want to layer that on top of how unstable reality right now is for everyone. And where we, we don't, there's a lot of things that are unexpected happening. People's worlds are rocked and they, some people are just spinning and some people are hiding their heads in the sand. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just, the whole foundation is in shift in flux and uh so for that i think it's a great period of time because it's allowing it's allowing a flower to bloom of sorts a kind of a dark flower and the idea of immortality is something interesting because it takes you out of the time continuum if you think about it because an immortalist is not viewing time in the same way, say, 
other people are that are bound to the idea of past, present, future, here, now, and there. Uh, and so there's a bigger idea with immortality. And I'm talking about immortality above and beyond ego self, which to me, in my magical workings in life, have it, the ego self is it's a tool to be used. Smoke and mirrors, baby. I love it. And uh, But it's not to, you should not be the tool of the ego. This is where I stand. It's my own personal thing. Having gone through a gamut of, of different, uh, ideas to get here through experience and experimental ways of being within this pool that is me. So the idea of immortality as something where you have memory, right? Cohesion, uh, ability, much like a lucid dream or an OBE, ability to be the architect of your experience, but from a higher space. So not from a, I'm going to go into this dream, not from, not from these layers that actually age us. And when I say that, what I mean is my pursuit is, and I have no problem with these pursuits, but my pursuit are, you know, these kind of lower level things like money, sex, material stuff. Those things are fantastic. Get them if you can, right? Rock it, live it, enjoy it. But there's more. And so if we step out and away from these ideas and then start to blossom within the idea that we're dreaming and awakening within the dream and then feeding the dream while we're also feeding off of the dream, this there's something that kind of comes forward. And again, we're looking at that idea of infinity through the mirrors. Where does it stop? Where does it end? It's all the same. It's all the same image in there. It's all you, a million yous on and on and on. And uh, so if we shed our skin of the idea of time, what is immortality then? Is it, is it, what is it? Is it life? Is it a dream? Is it is it something that's intangible? How do you view immortality, Dan? Well, I think you know. I th when when I was talking about the idea of a soul or souls that um, you know reincarnate or have different karmas or have different experiences or perspectives or journeys or whatever i sort of think the immortality thing i, I do believe that that there is an immortal soul but again to bring it back to sort of the kabbalah or the tree of life at the top is just ain sof it's like at the top of the tree of life it's just god and everything emanates out of god and i think we're kind of like a piece of that that trickles down through this tree and the lower you get the more you get close to ego and you get close to karma and the matrix and everything and the higher you go you're like oh i'm this reincarnating soul with these x amount of experiences then if you go even higher you're just like i am just this oneness energy and then when you're just at the top you're like everything is one thing it's god so when I think of like the 
hierarchy of like these 3D realities, the dream world, the astral world, and then everything up or anything down, really. I just think um, we're just little pieces. And depending on where we are and where we're trapped, we have more or less freedom or, or like more or less oneness. So I think the oneness is immortal and that, um, that, but this is like all speculation, you know, I don't really, that's kind of just how I conceive it. If, if a soul is just a piece of God, then where it's at in the, in this karmic cycle or like the heavenly cycle or like who knows how complex it could get. I do think there's this like up and down, like at the top, we're all one and down here, we're just like, super individualized and disconnected from that oneness is it possible that we are our own gods well i think like the like the soul like that's what i was saying if it's a piece of god or it's like people say your higher self or your holy guardian angel like that's that's you that's like the the top ghost in the machine but i think down here um like i think you can't you can if you think of if you're saying are we our own gods like should we worship ourselves or try to connect with that side of ourselves i don't think of it as like a worshiping thing i think of it as like if you're in an, an inspired moment let's say and you're in a flow state and all of a sudden you're blissed out and you're like, maybe you might be crying. You might just be having this mystical experience. I think that's when the denseness of down here fades away. And for a moment you are connected with what you really are. And if you live your life trying to connect with that feeling or connect with the intuition that that thing guides you with, then you're kind of living your true will, you know? So I have one more question before I asked Jerry if we had questions. Uh, Is it possible, how do you view the spheres, the planetary spheres, including Earth, um, whether or not, I'm not getting into flat or round, whatever. And when I say sphere, I'm talking about the as we know so i'm more talking about the etheric aspect of them uh the planets are they sentient do they hold agency what are they and uh how do you see because you're an astrologer and obviously you put some weight onto the their movements and the apparent movement along the ecliptic and how it affects everything that's going on in our lives how do you see them via this this lens <clears throat> well i can't i think sphere is a good word <clears throat> excuse me like i think um they contain all this archetypal energy in one sphere so and that's what makes it kabbalah and astrology kind of line up together um I think that they are, and, and you know, any archetype has a shadow or a light side. And when you study astrology, you know, the signs are sort of 
spheres or containers themselves. They're like territories that these planets move through. And I personally think that the, the planets themselves have something to do with karma. There, I, I feel like, um, you know, if, if this life is faded in some way where, you know, you're born into this matrix with a natal chart that, that is your roadmap, that's, and then planets are hitting, that, hitting those energies geometrically and mathematically throughout time, and everything is turning like a clock in time. I think it's just like an aspect of this matrix that we're in. And um, like the planets, I don't know if, it, I mean, this is hypothetical, but it seems like if you had some past life thing where you did something really Saturnian or Martian that was bad, you know, the image I'm getting is like that energy sort of shooting up and hitting the planet and being stored there until you come back and then it comes back and hits you. It's like, yep, that's karma. So I think it has to do with karma and fate and just the fact that the, that this reality does have clockwork to it and the, the overlapping karma of everything in this matrix relates to the move movement of those planets. So like, I think it's just like part of the program that we're in and it's pretty like poetic and stuff. And it's like higher it's, it, we're talking about archetypal energies that are, you know, more subtle than the dense 3d world itself. But the clock is like directing where and when that energy affects the world below, I guess. Excellent. That's uh, a beautiful way to put it. Jerry, do we have questions? I think I saw one from Jag in there. I had a couple. Um, someone asked earlier, when we when, when the show first started, you brought up there was uh, some alignments happening. It might have been the December ones. And I forgot who it was who asked. I apologize, but wanted to know if there's, did anything crazy happen the last time in the, that alignment in the past? Well, the thing happening in December, it's basically like a changing of the guard um, related to the two planets, Saturn and Jupiter. Saturn is the planet of, of restriction. It's like father time. It's karma. It's limitation. It's the black cube, which is going around on social media right now. That's kind of, you know, it's a very dark energy. It's a very constricting energy, but it's the energy that makes this matrix here work. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if we consent to coming here to learn these lessons, Saturn is the unfortunate and like unfriendly force that's making it shitty for us so that we can grow. Satan. Yeah, it's totally Satan. Um, but um, And Jupiter, Jupiter is Yahweh. Well, Jupiter is more benefic. It's more of like the proud father or right. like the, the, the bounty, the expansion, the spiritual stuff. And so they're kind of, you know, Kronos and, and Jupiter Kronos was his father and he, mm -hmm. and Jupiter overthrew his father. So there, there is this relationship between those two planets, but what's special about this year is for the past 200 something years, every time Saturn and Jupiter came together, which happens every 20 years, 
they are is it every, yeah i think it's every 20 yeah, years. it's 20 years uh, every time they come together they were in earth signs and so that ha- that's how this cycle works it's two it's like 200 something year cycles where the element is emphasized so it's kind of saying back then it started around the you know industrial revolution mm-hmm. it created materialism in many ways because earth is material it's like factories money you know stuff and also dead matter like atheism in many ways you know so basically we're coming to an end of that earth era and entering an air era and air is intellect communication um mental stuff social stuff it's more cold and um detached you know it's a masculine yang energy so basically we're entering this age of air between saturn and jupiter and it's happening on the winter solstice Solstice, at zero degrees aquarius so it's kind of it's kind of an indication of some you know the age of aquarius kind of arriving kind of the ages of astrology are like 2200 year periods you know related to what stars are rising on the winter or on the spring equinox so mm-hmm. you know we're, we've been in the age of pisces and there's we're in this liminal zone between aquarius and pisces <clears throat> but you know the age of aquarius whether or not we're fully in it in any of our lifetimes by this end of the year we there is a major shift happening and this is like, you know, a lot of that Capricorn, a lot of the, a lot of the bad astrology of 2020 took place in the sign of Capricorn, which is Saturn, Satan. <laughs> like, so we're seeing like a lot of stuff kind of struggle to survive, but it's dying off really. Like so, statues. you know, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Our history. What yeah. didn't I hear in the question, wasn't it, were looking back historically at these conjunctions right wasn't, wasn't the question about what what other things happened historically uh, during these times i didn't see that but well, i saw in the past i don't i don't it's something I'm, i should look into i'm curious but i don't know when the when it changed from whatever element came before earth it, i don't know if that i don't know what that aligned with but um the um you know the the saturn jupiter alignments that happen every 20 years do have this like they're mini eras so every time they come together it starts off a mini 20 year era but the one that's happening this year is a two it's not only that 20 year era but it's like a 200 year era right we see like there's like a a tone of revolution when i was looking back through the cycles you could see a lot of revolutionary stuff happening during these particular uh, alignments historically moving back yeah and and today you know after the pandemic kicked off saturn saturn did its damage in capricorn and then around february or march moved into aquarius so we have been getting a preview of what saturn and aquarius is and 
Saturn's a malefic planet and in the air sign of Aquarius, which is like social and, and tech and communicative, we're seeing that clamp down the, the tyranny of Saturn in the space of Aquarius, which is like technology and communications. So that's happening now. And we're, ta we're talking about contact tracing, chips, like 5G, all that we're getting a little preview of, but Saturn is actually reversing back into Capricorn at the first, um, July 1st is when that happens. So that's why July forward is going to be more of the bad stuff that kicked off in January. We're going to kind of revisit that energy. Mars is going to be activating it from Aries because that's a 90 degree angle from Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's going to hit it once stop reverse hit it twice stop go forward hit it three times so well, i think don't you think we're going to see the negative side of tech though tech is at play and so we're going to see i personally think we're going to see more of the rollout of military robots policing and stuff like yeah, that yeah i well i i would guess that that's going to happen after the after this event that we're talking about the air sign change of saturn and jupiter Jupiter might help out the the craziness by being in the same sign as Saturn during this time. By giving us real sex dolls. Perhaps, <laughs> so, yeah. So we have the Terminators and then we have the pleasure <laughs> units. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that really is uh Aquarian. But like the thing about Saturn and Aquarius, it's gonna square off with Uranus. Uranus is farther out, it's a modern planet. But I follow the energy, the energies of the modern planets, and they affect the collective way more. And I want to be a skeptic, skeptic of them because I like the traditional setup of Hellenistic astrology, where it's the seven planets with the rulers, you know. But either way, Uranus is going to be squaring Saturn, and what, where Saturn is the tech tyrant in Aquarius air. Uranus is the earthy rebel, hopefully trying to fight against this Saturnian force. So I, I would not be surprised. Like that when we talk about revolutionary things, Uranus is revolutionary. Saturn is a control system. If it's in the, if it's in the sign of Aquarius where there's, a, a, a tech thing going on and a collective humanity humanitarian thing going on you know the shadow of that is going to be control you know and surveillance and stuff but uranus and taurus is kind of like the off the grid hippie earthy actually green not globalist green you know eco force that is going to say f that and yeah. you know, mama shaking everything, the mama earth yeah. saying, I don't need this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Funny synchro, there was like a crash upstairs. I don't know what the hell fell over. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wise to mess with Mother Nature. <laughs> no. Jerry, did we have other questions? I had one other question from uh, Jag was. I think it was Jack. If you he wanted to know if you'd ever seen a blue guy with four or more arms in your dreams or visions. I don't think so. When you said blue guy, I feel like I've seen blue guys in my, 
but that's more of that like comic book cartoon 90s thing yeah so maybe like, like captain planet is blue mm-hmm. so i'm thinking more stuff like that <laughs> than like uh Shiva. like the indian yeah the indian the blue um all the Korees are blue, blue gods and stuff yeah all the Korees. well the hopi from, have the blue too no it's marvel Cree planet people not indians I'm, I'm talking about the eastern indians and then the hopi indians both have blue right. as well mm-hmm. cool that's all the questions i got excellent so, great so dan did you want to plug some stuff before we let you go sure yeah my um podcast is called the cosmic keys podcast um you can find it on youtube um anywhere podcasts are available like itunes spotify i do astrology readings they're affordable um 30 minutes is 29 dollars. 60 minutes is 59 dollars and to book those, you can go to our website, cosmickeyspodcast.com. And I do that through Zoom. Um, and my personal like, page on Instagram, where I sometimes post personal stuff, is at Shook Daddy. And um, that's, all, that's about it. Great. All those links and more are in the show description and the show notes for the podcast. Awesome. So. Thank you, Dan. This yeah, has thanks. been a great, great pleasure. Always. I love chatting with you. And uh, this was a lovely evening. And, and during Gatorade time, mm-hmm. Mercury retrograde. Yeah, it, it was. It, well, this is actually the perfect week to be on a show like this, because, you know, if you can't be productive in anything you can at least be productive in talking about these things so yes but but um jerry and nish thanks a lot for having me because i i really enjoy your show and i do listen i hope you know that yes (laughs) so it was an honor to be on it it's an honor to have you thank you so much thank you so much thank you jerry and everyone out there Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We have another Noximente coming up. Two in a row. That's rare. With uh, Michael Deacon, who I don't know, but Nish does. Yay. The Michael Deacon program is one of my favorite shows. Fantastic. So that should be pretty awesome. Anyway, have a great week. <laughs> I want to say stay safe, but stay safe <laughs> from, from the nuts out there. Get lucid. <laughs> Get lucid. <laughs> Get the fuck out of cities. <laughs> yeah. Get some chickens. Get some chickens. Start a, start a garden. You can have quail in your apartment, by the way. <laughs> Many people do all over oh, the world, and they're legal. Quail Crazy eggs. quail ladies. Mm-hmm. Right. But you have you have eggs all the time. And it's like the, the lady that. from Home Alone with the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but they're smaller. No, oh, that's really God. cool. I would love... I. I I'm eating a lot of eggs because I'm freaking poor. So yeah, me too. be creative with your egg cooking. Eggs are your friend. You got to try, uh, oh, what the hell was it? I saw a really cool recipe. I'll send it to you. It's like um, you whip the egg whites before you cook the egg. Ooh. Oh, Jerry, send that on to all of us. I forget what it's called now. It's like an egg volcano or something like that. Anyway. Ooh.
Well, if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes so everyone can look at it. Uh, please join Excellent. our Discord if you haven't, and check out our Patreon, uh, Patreon slash Vocus Nocte. We love your donations. And that's all I got. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.